Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Lisa Jewell is back for another episode with The Family Remains. Lisa is a number one New York Times bestselling author of 19 novels, including The Family Upstairs and Then She Was Gone, as well as Invisible Girl and Watching You. Her novels have sold over 10 million copies internationally, and her work has also been translated into 29 languages. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Family Remains. Lovely to be here. Thank you for asking me. I know that so many people were begging you to write this sequel. And while I didn't beg, I was so excited to see that you had done it and here it is and and all of that. So tell listeners a little bit about why you decided to write a sequel to The Family Upstairs. I know you you said it was a very reluctant sequel, but you're glad you did it. Yeah. So let me hear more about it. <laughs> it was because I, I had already written one sequel in my career, and that was a sequel to my first novel, Rouse Party, which came out in 1999, and I did a sequel 10 years after that. And I really, really did not enjoy writing it, and I really, really don't like that book. Um, and the fact that I wrote it has always upset me a little bit. I always think, why did I write that book? And it sort of absolutely made me even more determined that I was never going to write another sequel because 
I always say my favourite thing about writing novels is creating, starting novels and creating a whole new world and introducing myself and the reader to a whole new cast of characters. So yes, having said for many, many years I've never write a sequel, I let my readers talk me into this one. Um, and it kind of was my fault in a way because I'd ended the family upstairs on a note that suggested there might be a sequel even though that wasn't my intention in the least but of course a lot of readers took that to mean that there was going to be a sequel and wrote to me on social media to say is there going to be a sequel please tell me there is going to be a sequel eventually (laughs) eventually I just got ground down a bit and started saying yeah all right I'll, I'll do one but yes it was a much much happier experience and outcome second time I'm glad I did I'm glad I let myself get bullied into it. (laughs) Well, it was so neat. I mean, I hadn't read, honestly, a sequel to a book in forever. I mean, I can't even think of the last sequel I read. So it felt like taking up with old friends and, I mean, kind of odd friends in your book, but anyway. And, you know, just like getting to live life fast forwarded in only a couple of years. So it was very neat readerly experience for anyone who's read the first book, but I'm sure that you could just jump right into this one. It was designed to be re- read as a standalone, but yes. I do I do secretly tell readers that they'll have more fun with it if they've read the first one as well. Yes. And you do back up and explain a lot too in a, you know, your very funny way, you know, you're like, and this, <laughs> you know, you know, like, like do, do, do. This is, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's a yeah, funny You have to have a very, a very soft touch with, with those. Otherwise they sound a bit like info dumps. Yes. So yeah, I yes. have to be quite careful with those. <laughs> <laughs> so why, I was sort of confused as to how Chicago got thrown into the mix here. Why did you, <laughs> how did you enlist that city to, to be a key player here? Right. So there's an interesting background to that in as much as the end of the family upstairs, it sounds very much as if Finn is in Botswana. And in fact, Finn is in Botswana and Henry, our character from family upstairs is obsessed with Finn and is delighted to have finally found out where Finn is after 20 years of trying to track him down. And thus, I thought going into writing a sequel that Henry would be going to Botswana to find Finn and then the pandemic hit. And I thought, I can't really write about... Finn works as a a big game ranger of a safari park in Botswana. And I thought, I can't write about this if I haven't experienced it. So obviously, I'm going to have to go to Africa and and go on on safari and have that experience. But I couldn't do that because I couldn't travel. So I had to sort of backpedal pretty quickly and think, okay, well, if he's not going to... If he's not in Botswana, where is he? And because in the back of my head... I'd always assumed that Finn was gay, even though that's not stated explicitly in the first book. But in my head, he was gay. I just kind of randomly thought of a place that it was associated in my mind with big gay community. And that was you know, parts of Chicago have very, yeah, very big LGBTQ communities. So that was where Chicago came from. There you go. <laughs> very random. A, a decision made in a split second. Um, and then... I, I wasn't, I don't think I'd realised quite how much of the book was going to actually be set in Chicago <laughs> from that point on. But yes, it's, it's a pretty full on Chicago novel. <laughs> Do you sniff people's heads to see if you're compatible? I have to ask because you have. This. Oh. Can I read this? You said, Rachel turned and quietly sniffed the crown of Michael's head. If you liked the smell of someone's scalp, she'd always theorized, then you were probably sexually compatible. And she did like the smell of Michael's scalp. It had the scent of someone who shampooed daily, who never slept on grubby pillowcases or pulled on a sweaty baseball cap or ate a cheap burger and then ran their fingers through their hair. It had squeaky, <laughs> squeaky clean tones of sandalwood and citrus, but just enough musky hormonal tang to differentiate. <laughs> 
from a spray of cheap room perfume. Now that is quite a scalp description. <laughs> that is. I had no idea I spent so much of my book just discussing Michael's scalp. <laughs> and particularly as I don't think I'm that that obsessed. I tell you, my husband is obsessed with the smell of scalps. He just loves the smell of scalps. I don't I think you shouldn't be able to smell a scalp. I think if you get near someone's hair and you can smell what's underneath their hair, I don't I don't like it. So for me, no smell is ideal. But yeah, I don't know about the sexual compatibility. I guess if you like the way someone smells full stop, it's a good thing. That's probably true. <laughs> yes. You also had this other funny line, just because I love how you write, and this is further forward, but when we were talking about Finn and Henry, and you said, he told me when he was 15 years old that he was going to be a safari guy one day. I have no idea what route he took from the house of horrors we grew up in to get there, but he did it. Did I want to be the founding partner of a trendy boutique software design solutions company back then? <laughs> I was a child? No, of course I didn't. I wanted to be whatever life threw at me. The thing that I would be after I'd done all the normal things that people do when they haven't grown up in a house of horrors and then spent their young adulthood living alone in bedsits with no academic qualifications, no friends, and no family. I wanted to be that thing. <laughs> poor Henry. It's so, funny. so sad. Well, poor all of them. It's so sad. I know that that is also a thing that I often think when parents have their, their children are small and their child shows some sort of talent or propensity for something and the, the parent immediately thinks, oh, they might be a surgeon or they might be a ballerina or they might be a writer or they might be an actor. And they, there's all these sort of like these fantasy roles that you imagine that your child could fulfill at taking their innate skills out into the world. But most people end up with jobs with really, really long and unwieldy titles that don't really mean anything. And just say most people just end up working in an office. I think it's the bottom line. So yeah, and that's obviously what, what happened to Henry with all his other options taken away from him. Okay, last funny line, and then I'll stop quoting lines that I liked. But he said, luckily, I have my mother's physique, but sadly more than my fair share of my father's coarse facial features. I have done my best with what nature gave me. Money can't buy you love, but it can buy you a chiseled jaw, perfectly aligned teeth, and plumped up lips. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. There, there you go. go. That's all you need to know about love and life and money and, and all the rest. Yeah. <laughs> and that's also, but that is actually, you know, that, that's a massive part of, of Henry's character in this sequel is you, you become much more aware in this sequel of how obsessed he was with Finn. So all yes. those things he's done to his face have been an attempt to, to make himself look like Finn. So in reality, if you were actually to see Henry Lamb on the street, you'd probably be slightly thrown by the look of him because he's done a little bit too much to his face over the years. So yeah, it's kind of, it's funny, but it's also quite sad. <laughs> I think one of my favorite moments was like the cringeworthy scene when he was trying to track down Finn in the apartment and the this poor young landlord like showed him inside, you know, the, the guy and he wanted to take the pictures and then... Uh, yes. You know what I mean? And then he's oh, like, oh, should we the hang guy out? Who was, should we hang oh, out after? And he was like, no, thank you. No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. When he finds Finn's apartment, but he's not living in it. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I really enjoyed writing that scene because it was a perfect opportunity to capture how uncomfortable Henry makes other people feel. Yes. So the reader feels a slight connection with Henry and there's maybe even a slight fondness, but it's it's good to put him in situations where the reader is reminded that actually if you were in a room with Henry, you'd be feeling very uncomfortable and wanting to leave. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> well, I don't want to give away things towards the end, but how you tied everything up, I was not expecting. Per- I mean, it was just well done. Was it chef's kiss? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so tell me, so you decide to write a sequel. Did you, how did you even approach this? Did you, did you know? I mean, was it all as haphazard as your choice of Chicago or did you? Yes, it was really pretty, pretty haphazard. Yeah, I just jumped in. I knew without any shadow of a doubt that Henry was going to be my star turn, obviously. And his, his pursuit of Finn was going to be the main thrust of the novel. And even at the beginning, I wasn't sure if I was going to revisit Lucy. I wasn't sure how much more yeah. the gas there was left in the tank of her story. So she came in. I made that decision quite late on in the process. The only other thing I knew for sure was I wanted to explore Rachel's relationship with Michael. So in the first novel, yes. in the family upstairs, Michael is killed by Lucy in an act of self-defense. And it's mentioned briefly that his wife, Rachel, is in London. And that's why she's not there in the house in France at, um, at the point at which Lucy kills him. And it, it always occurred to me that there was a whole story waiting to be played out there. Who is Rachel? What does she think when she finds out that somebody's murdered her husband? Is she going to be sad? Is she going to be elated? Was he as bad to her as he was to Lucy? What's the story with Rachel? So that was, I kind of knew that. And you were going to definitely going to have Rachel and we we're definitely going to have Henry. I thought about Lucy and she was a last minute decision. Another huge surprise in the novel is Samuel Awusu, my, my London detective, who I had not for a moment suspected I was going to have a whole police procedural thing playing out in the background. I knew that I wanted this scene where these bones are found on the shores of the River Thames. And so I wanted to write that scene. And that involved creating a detective who would appear at the scene of the discovery of these bones. But then he sort of stuck around for the rest of the novel. So yeah, I wrote my very, very first literary detective. I've never written one before. (laughs) Yeah, so it was haphazard. It did all come together in a kind of clanking, amazing, thrilling mess of, oh, what am I going to do now? (laughs) um, And then as I always write, because I don't write with a plan and I do just sort of throw things into the mix as I go, had to find a way to so very, very neatly tie up all that sort of messiness and chaos into a lovely neat hem at the end so that everyone would feel satisfied and there'd be no loose threads. And that was uh, challenging, but I think I did it. You did it. Bravo. It was great. Really satisfying. Very satisfying. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time and now now what are you doing now now oh so at some point between finishing that book and starting my next novel i was also invited to write a full-length novel in another genre which i can't talk about because it's um highly confidential at the moment and it was an irresistible offer but in in accepting that offer to write another a different genre, full-length novel, it's meant that I've had to write, because I write a novel a year, I now write need to write three novels in two years instead of two novels in two years. So I've had to very quickly turn around the novel that comes after The Family Remains, which is coming out next summer, and it's called None of This is True, and it's in, totally different to The Family Remains. It could not be um, more different if it tried. And now I've just started writing this out-of-genre special project top secret novel which needs to be finished by April and then I'll start writing my next normal Lisa Jewel novel which will be finished by the end of 2023 so not a lot of downtime going on for me at the moment (laughs) oh my gosh so how many how many hours a day do you have to write to crank all of this out because don't you take big breaks and things like I felt like well I do take big breaks but I just realized when the minute I accepted this extra project I thought the big breaks are not going to happening they're not going to be happening for me this year and that's fine I'm very happy you know I can sleep when I'm old it's fine I, I, you have to say more about this secret project what okay. do you mean it came to you like somebody thought of an idea for a, a project and so now- my London agent phoned me up um with a slight tone of disbelief in his voice he said I'm not sure I can explain this to you. So I'm just going to read this to you, this email that's just arrived in my inbox. And we were both sort of laughing nervously because it's a massive, I'm trying to talk about this without letting you know what it is, but it's a project that it's something that's never been done before for a fictional universe um, that's very, very famous. I can't really talk about this. <laughs> Okay, but it's yeah, it's it's an experimental, brand new thing. Uh, there's never been a novel in this genre before. Got there's it. never been a novel in this genre before, and mine will be the very first novel in this genre. So it's kind of an experiment, and I'm kind of a it. guinea okay. pig. And it's going to be 
yeah, exciting. It's just the sort of thing where you just think you're only on this earth once. And if somebody offers you something where you're going to be part of something that's so huge, yeah, you can't say no. You can't say no, even if it does mean you don't get to take your nice big summer break, <laughs> as I normally do. Uh, yeah. So it's exciting and it's challenging and it's pushing me and it's making me do things I don't normally. I don't, for example, I never normally do any research at all. But for this project, I'm having to do research. So it's, yeah, using, oh, using different Different, different. I'm dying to hear, and I'm I'm yeah. trying, to, trying to guess the. This is I think you mystery. probably have. I think you've probably already guessed it. <laughs> I have not guessed it, but I know. Be... Basin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Well, that's <laughs> amazing. Um, I'm really excited about all of that. So, how are you going to like? How do you balance it when you're okay? You'll sleep later, but like, what are you going to do? To make sure you know, because I I can't write all day anyway. So even at this writing at this pace, at this level of productivity, I'm only going to be writing for maximum of four hours a day. Okay, three, three usually. Okay, but what it does mean is it's like less of those sorts of weeks where if your friend says, "What are you doing on Wednesday? I'm in town. (laughs) Let's go for lunch." You don't say yes. You say no. I can't because then I won't get my three hours of writing in so it's less that I'm working around the clock um and staying up all night and burning the candle and all that sort of business and more that I just have to be much more professional (laughs) (laughs) much much more present and much more disciplined about being at my laptop for three hours a day three or four hours a day so don't feel too sorry for me okay I won't I won't (laughs) I'll miss lunches sounds good all right (laughs) (laughs) exactly do you find time to read do you make reading a priority oh god and this is the title of your podcast and it's such a difficult thing for me at the moment and this sort of it was something flipped uh, when the pandemic started and I think a lot of people when the pandemic started and they were forced to be at home all the time thought cool I can get going on my TBR pile I'm going to just read my way through this pandemic and I just I went the other way I just became addicted to my phone I think during the pandemic because everything I really wanted to know about all the stats and reports and announcements and everything, they were all on my phone. And I just lost the habit of reading. And now I find it really, really difficult. The only time I can read happily and satisfactorily is on a sun lounger on holiday. And then I can, then it's, I can't really look at my phone properly in the sunshine. So that's probably why. So yeah, I've really struggled to read at the moment. It's really sad and terrible. And I'm hoping it's something I can fix. Not least because... I have literally, I think, about 250 books in my TBR pile, all of which I want to read because, yeah, I only put them on that pile if I seriously want to read them. So, yeah. So, Don't feel bad. You've acknowledged uh, the problem. (laughs) Yes. Acknowledge the problem. That's the first step to solving it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. There's a season for everything. It sounds like you're super busy, but you know. Uh, That's a nice way of thinking about it. Yes. I have to visualize myself in maybe a year's time or two years time, sitting in an armchair, flying through the pages of the books, reading happily with my phone nowhere to be seen in another room. It is true. I mean, sometimes I look up from my phone long enough. I was at like the hair place yesterday. I took my daughters both to get their haircuts. And like every woman in the line getting the shampoo before the haircut had a phone like held up 
while yeah. they were having their shampoos done. And I was just thinking like, we can't even like, it's the equivalent of taking a shower, right? It's like, you can't even stop long enough to get the like five minute two or two minute like shampoo. Do you know what I mean? Like what's going to happen in two minutes? But, but the, I exactly. do the same thing, but it's like, really, is that productivity really that important right then? See, I what? don't even know if it's to do with productivity and just to do with the fact that we're not used to just staring into space or closing our eyes or just not having anything to look at. It's scary. It's, yeah, it, it is. It's just, it is, it is scary. It's insidious and it's a habit I hope to break. But okay. like you say, acknowledging the problem is the first step. So. I'll be cheering, cheering <laughs> for you, Lisa, with your reading rehab and all of yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Oh, God, it's so, yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard. It's really hard because I think every aspiring writer comes to writing with a different sort of mindset. And so some some can want to write a book but not know how to start and some can want to write a book but have too many ideas and not not know how to decide which is the idea some have the wrong motivations for it you know wanting to write a big book and have a huge bestseller and you know some people have been writing all their lives but never quite got to the point of writing a novel and some people haven't written a word but just want to just break out onto the page and there are just so many different types of wannabe writers out there uh with different motivations and points of view but all I can talk about is how I managed to do it. And for me, it's about, it's almost like that, like dance as if nobody's watching kind of thing. It's just, you've got to be really unselfconscious and really, oh, just like in the moment, you've just got to be in the moment and not think about the market and not think about that book that just came out that sold a million copies or not think about what so-and-so would think if they read it or not think about, you know, will you be judged or do you sound silly or or is, is this literary enough or just be in the moment and present with your book and just concentrate on getting words onto the screen because that's the only way it's going to happen. Every time you type a word, you've done a good thing and don't need to worry too much about that word or what it means, where it's all going. Just keep making those words appear on the screen until you have got a draft. And then once you've got your first draft, you just need to polish it until it sings. So, yeah, I think a lot of writers starting out overthink it all a bit much and think there's more to it than there is. And there really isn't that much to it, apart from putting words on the screen. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Do that thing. Do that thing. We will do that thing. Well, amazing. Thank you for writing The Family Remains and tying up so many open questions and opening up a few new ones, I guess. And Oh, I hope not too many. I'm not <laughs> sure there's going to be a third one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't believe, you know, full circle. We saw each other right before the pandemic and now here we are. And glad at least I got to meet you in person before all that happened. And anyway. Absolutely. Everything that happened before that felt like it was just such a gift. <laughs> retrospect (laughs) I know it's so true anyway delighted to chat with you again and uh good luck on your secret project I can't wait to hear what it is thank you hopefully you'll hopefully I'll be allowed to tell the world about it soon um but yes thank you so much for having me it was a wonderful chat all right bye Lisa take care okay take care thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.